1997 was a relatively peaceful time in America. Sandwiched between two Gulf Wars, America was in the calm before the storm of the 2000s. Seems like a perfect time to reflect on the horrors of war. Paul Verhoeven is weirdly a perfect voice to speak on what war can do to a nation and a people. He grew up in The Hague, one of the capitals of Nazi occupation. He saw the horrors of what the Nazis did to their people and the violence of the Allies used to try to stop it. At the time, he thought of it as an exciting adventure, but the horrors of what he saw are an obvious influence on his art. The Nazi influence shows heavily in his 97 sci-fi war film. From the uniforms, to the architecture, to the slogans, Verhoeven plays the bravado and machismo of war while undercutting it with the horrific violence and death that comes with it. Hop in our gender-neutral showers, it's Starship Troopers. Welcome to the Roughnecks. This is Best Pictures, the podcast where we pick our favorite movies for every year we've been alive. I'm Cody Lunsford, and I'm joined as always by... I'm Chad Oliver, and one day someone like me is going to kill you and your whole fucking race. I'm Mark Wellington, and I find the very idea of an intelligent bug offensive. Great. We're starting it out with very positive energy this episode. Yeah. See, so, well, here's the thing. Mine, uh, I was talking about bugs. I, was, I wanted to be clear that when I say I'm going to mm-hmm. kill an entire race, I was talking about bugs. Uh, like a cockroach or a spider. <laughs> Maybe I should pick a different quote. I don't know. I uh, well, happened to pick a, a quote with a bug in it, so I'm clear. Yeah, I guess I'm good. Well, here, well, here's the thing. That's exactly what the movie is playing into, but we will get to that later. I think it's a fine quote. It it okay. it, it shows. What I just want to uh, cover my about. butt so Disney doesn't find this in 2030 and fire me for saying it. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this is Best Pictures. Um, what we do here is pick our favorite movies for every year we've been alive. Uh, we normally do that by Mark picking his favorite movie, Chad picking his favorite movie, and I pick my favorite movie, then the Academy pick, then the Razzie. This week we are on my pick, and I picked Paul Verhoeven's 1997's Starship, Starship Troopers. Troopers. Good. What, what? That was a dramatic you... pause. Oh, okay. It was a very dramatic pause. It sounded pause. like a, wait, what was the name of that movie? What was the name of that movie? Oh, yeah, Starship Troopers. <laughs> nope. It sounded like that kind of pause. Absolutely not. But it was all, I guess all drama. all pauses sound the same, but to me, Absolutely. that pause sounded like a, an unsure right. pause. Well, I see, don't think I that all a... pauses sound the same. Great. Um, I have a minor in theater. I don't know if you boys have heard. Mm, so I really I know about acting and extending tension and using pauses for Can you, great uh, effect. Give me a t- couple so, of tips. So a couple, a couple tips. tips on acting. Yeah. Um, uh, acting act, acting is just reacting. Okay. Um, so so it's, like, just, it's, just, it's all about big reactions. So Big reactions. So say wait, something, say something that like I wouldn't believe. So, well, also you need to know to make a lot of funny faces and do funny voices. Okay. Mm. Do you have like any, so, any good like paradigms of this? Like any good influences? Um, could... Jim, Jim Carrey's yeah, probably, kinda, probably okay. it. Okay, cool. Um, just him and Dane Cook <laughs> probably are the just two greatest. Like-minded folks. I can think of. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Jim Carrey's going to be Mr. Eggman. I feel like he's not talking about a lot. Um, he's credited as Dr. Robotnik, right? Yes. Yeah. So is it Eggman Robotnik? This podcast before mentioning Eggman is the is Sonic's <laughs> Officer Tom and his his hedgehog sidekick. So, yeah, so Egg- the Officer Tom film. Eggman is uh, Sonic's mean nickname, body shaming nickname for Doctor. Oh, got it. So his okay, name is Doctor I... Robotnik, and he's like, "Hey, Eggman, I'm gonna jump on you," <laughs> stuff like that. Gotcha. See, I have never played the films. 
Um, right. So I don't know anything about it. I just, I've been thinking a lot, boys, about how... <laughs> I don't want to do another whole Sonic thing because sure, we've, we've done that been nine there, episodes been there, in a done row. That, yeah. I just keep thinking about the fact that we're getting Sonic the Hedgehog, Detective Pikachu, mm-hmm. and the Dora the Explorer movie all next See, year. See, Dora and the just, Explorer is the one I keep forgetting about. I feel like I know the uh, the <laughs> least amount of information about that one, so it just I can sort of blot it out of my memory. But like Sonic, I think I'm, it's got good people working on it. Which is have, they, have they cast Swiper yet? No. Who would you cast no. as Swiper, Mark? Uh, it's a good question. It's a very good question. Jared Leto, uh, obviously. Jared uh, well, Leto, they have obviously. Choice. They have Michael Pena with no character attached to his name. Uh, so Boots? Ever heard of Boots? Could be Boots. Ah, he would be a good Boots, though, right. is the thing. That's the thing. Um, do you cast people as backpack and map, or in this version, are so. they just a backpack and a map? See, I okay, so I would think they were just a backpack and a map, except for the fact that the people who are writing and directing mm-hmm. it are the guys who wrote and directed both of the most recent Muppets movies and Neighbors <laughs> 2, which okay. means they are likely to make map uh, and backpack real characters. And probably like, which probably like practical puppets. Exactly. Like, ah, uh, guys, I know, there are so many movies coming out next year that sound like fucking bad ideas <laughs> that are going to rule so fucking hard. What's interesting, like, what's interesting about uh, this Dory the Explorer movie is that they've, they've gender swapped Swiper. Um, and the actress that's playing Swiper has actually been in character for a number of years. Winona Ryder it will be playing Swiper. Oh, um, that's just been Come on. Oh, this Come is a bad on. bit? All right. <laughs> Come <All> right. on. <laughs> Conan called from 98. <laughs> he wants his joke back. He got fired from The Tonight Show for bits like that. <laughs> um. Anyway, next year is crazy, but let's talk about this year. What have you boys seen at the Megaplex recently? Um, I saw the movie Searching, and I liked it a lot. It's this new, um, sort of a new genre, I guess. Like, Unfriended is the only example of it I can think of, where it's, it's the, the actual term for it is uh, screen time movies. Is that right, Cody? I think you're the uh, one that, that told me for not, it. That does Just, not sound no. right, but maybe. Okay. Something along those lines. Yeah, I don't know. But it basically it all is, like, filmed as if it's on an iPhone screen, a laptop screen, whatever. And... Uh, so in Unfriended, it was like the genre was used for more like um, horror effect and it could be made really cheaply because it was like made that way. And it was like a little more, I don't know, it was less artfully done. And then in this movie, like I feel like there's more of like a filmmaking technique behind it. And I like it a lot. It's really effective in being um, super, super suspenseful and some really great performances in there. Uh, I loved it. Go see it. I think it's pretty good. I think Mark and I are a bit more cold on it than you are. Um, Which blows but, my mind, but I mean, we disagree with each other sometimes. By, by more sometimes. cold, I don't I don't dislike this movie by yeah, any, any real stretch. It just didn't really do much for me. I really like the first act. The, I mean, mm-hmm. the first act kind of tells the story of this family and the little girl growing up. and Yeah, which is an amazing mom. like sequence. It's so good, and it's all it's all captured on like a um, like family photos and family videos, right. like and through the like, ages, like going through different like Windows platforms to like different. Uh, I mean, it's it's twenty eighteen up system. a little bit, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's twenty eighteen up a little bit, like uh, 
with how they do that opening sequence. It's very similar where it's like, everything's going great. Now there's sad shit. Um, but it's My, good. I love it. I think it's masterfully done. I, I just feel like the, the twist in the movie isn't necessarily earned and kind of shows up out of nowhere. And that kind of threw me off there at the end. Yeah, I agree. Mark and I, mm, uh, I watched this. I disagree a lot, but I can see it where is. you'd say that. But like, Going back in my head to like certain scenes, it's like so set up in my opinion. I don't know. We're gonna talk around it now for a little bit, but uh, right. No, I think it's um, set up in some like one or two character moments, but not really in the evidence. I mean, like he gets one piece of evidence and somehow manages to put together uh, quite a stretch of an accusation. Right, but like, I guess now the going to be comparing like apples and oranges here because Get Out's a much better movie. But like, when I first saw Get Out, and like you get this reveal toward the end of the movie about like what's actually happening, and then I just immediately started going back and thinking of all the like setups of like, oh, like this was introduced because this, like the same thing happened with Searching, where I was like going back and like, uh like inputting like oh yes of course that was the result because this scene and this scene and this scene and this scene i don't know um i just don't think it's as i mean get out the whole time you're kind of guessing at what happens and it's slowly leading you to the end result mm-hmm. whereas in searching you're guessing at what happens and then, and then the it end, do, it's it, like it does i hope sort you of guessed like... this because there was no real evidence to support it unless you kind of use rose-colored lenses and look backwards. Like, mm-hmm. it only makes sense in hindsight, whereas in Get Out, it, does. it was letting you pick up on things as you were moving forward. Yeah. I mean, in both movies, you're definitely guessing at, like, what the thing's going to be, because this is definitely, like, a mystery movie. But, I don't know. Get Out's a much better film, and it's much better written and better made. Uh, like I said, it's comparing apples and oranges. It's just, I remember, like, similar reactions to it, and, like how I approached it after having seen it. And like with both movies, the first thing I wanted to do is watch it again. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Mark and I watched this together. And uh, as we walked out of the theater, we both kind of like shrugged. Like, I, I, I think it's mostly good, but I, um, the, the biggest problem to me with it, and I'm saying problem, which makes it sound like we hated it. We didn't. But for me, it very much like, okay, so every mystery movie, you find out clues when it's convenient to the plot. I just felt it more in this movie. I was like, okay, so now's the time they needed something to happen. I don't know. There was just something a bit more obvious about it and it might be it might be because of the screen setup right. because like just the with it built-in limitations of that genre yeah and so it's just like oh so now he notices something with the same picture before i don't know there was just something about it where it was like oh so now the cursor's moving over here because it's time for it too mm-hmm. um i don't know i don't think it's bad i just um i don't know i I think I still think Unfriended One is the best use of this uh, kind of oh, storytelling. And see, I haven't seen been. that one. I just saw The Dark Web. Uh, yeah, they're all produced by the same guy, which is interesting. Wait, including searching, it's including searching. Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, his name's 
Timmer, and I can't pronounce his last name, but it's the director of Wanted, the new Ben-Hur, etc. And he produces okay. all of them, and he's kind of leading this surge of these like screen-based movies. So I think that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I think the genre is fascinating. I am very interested to see the first movie we get that isn't a thriller or horror movie, I think could be really yeah. fascinating with this. Um, I'm interested to see where the format goes. I, I, I think it's cool, but I'm kind of... Maybe it's also weirdly because I knew the actors, you know? Hmm. Like, part of why Unfriended works real w- well to me is because I don't know anybody on that screen. But yeah, you, you know? have, like, uh, Grace from Will and Grace and uh, uh, Harold. <laughs> right, exactly. So I'm like, oh, I know these people. Um, yeah. And uh, th- there's some other things that I, I won't really get into because it deals with spoilery things, but there are things that they talk about a lot at the beginning of the movie with the girl who goes, goes missing's behavior that don't really make sense with what the mystery ends up being so there's just things that don't it never like fully clicked for me but i do think it is a good movie hmm. um i think one thing that helps unfriended that didn't show up here is that unfriended happens kind of in real time yeah over like the course of right. two hours this this thing is unfolding whereas this is over the course of a couple of weeks so you're really only seeing mm-hmm glimpses into these lives occasionally which like is a normal thing to do in a movie but i think what was great about unfriended is that you were really like you really felt like you were going through exactly what this character was going through because you were like looking at what she was looking at when she was looking at it and you were following her exact thought process whereas with this like you would follow his thought process to one thing and then like the whole next day would happen and he would he would be like following up on something he had thought about during the day or something like that. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't feel like that difference is in detriment to this movie because I feel like they're just telling two different kinds of stories, but I guess I see where well, you're coming from. Yeah. Well, f- well, for me, and Unfriended 2 also broke this. Um, the, the first Unfriended film is entirely on a computer. Uh, what Searching does and what Unfriended 2 did at points, they were like, oh, we want to show something else. Um... Um, like they cut to another computer. They've got uh, they, they've got web-based cameras now, or right, they mm-hmm. cut to a different computer screen mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. And it was like, oh, okay, it, it, it's similar to some of the Paranormal Activity movies where I'm like, fuck, they really needed to explain why a camera was here. Huh? <laughs> I you watched- know, it felt kind of that dodgy logic. But I mean, it's whatever. It's fine. It's like the format. Like this is not a bad movie. It's good. It's fun. Go see it. Yes, I just. Chad likes it a lot more than we do. I, I watched a movie just the earlier this year that kind of reminded me of this genre. It's called Cam, and it's about this cam girl where, like, a doppelganger takes over her cam girl account. Um, and it's really interesting. But, uh, like, the first 20 minutes is kind of shot like like this movie where it's, like, taking place in – like, it's showing the cam video with, like, all of the pop-up things showing up, and she would, like, click and block someone – and it was really interesting in that, but then it would be like, all right, and then she's done doing that. And it would transition to actual camera, actual set, hmm. actual film. See, that's one and thing I think that, I've been I think thinking that blending about... the two, mm-hmm. the two um, styles is, is helpful, and you don't necessarily have to be all one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's one thing I was thinking about with searching, is if they did decide to like film it like that, where if it was blending would that work as well or better 
And I just, I truly don't know the answer, but yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a lot like found footage where to an extent it's a gimmick and the gimmick works in the advantage of the movie for a lot of the times, mm-hmm. but there are always like parts where they have to kind of stretch the gimmick for it to work. Like they'll be yeah. watching news footage <laughs> like the, for, for a good portion of it. And I'm like, wait. Who's watching this news footage? Is the, he watching the news footage? And, of right. and then like and also, the, the YouTube video of the dad that shows up like halfway through the movie is like someone just picked up their phone and started filming uh, yeah. a confrontation. It's like, that's a little far-fetched, but right. sure. And we definitely need to move on to the next movie. We absolutely movie. do, yeah. But spoiler, there's a part where the main character gets sent footage from a fucking police interrogation. And that truly is like very much a stretch because he's a civilian. Yeah. Um, but but that's kind of where the movie is like stretching at its, uh, you know, seams for its logic. Um, Mark, tell me about a movie you've seen. So I have been away from the Megaplex more than I would like recently. But what I have been doing is I've, I, I went to and I went with Cody to the Sidewalk Film Festival in Birmingham, Alabama, which was a lot Represent. of fun. And I was really only there for one day of, of screenings, but Cody was there for two. So he might talk about some stuff from the second day. But I wanted to talk about Support the Girls, which is um the the I, f- I forgot the director's name already but it stars regina hall if i'm correct and it's about yes. a hooters-esque restaurant and regina hall is nice. the manager and she's just trying to kind of defend her uh her employees and I, it's it's really lovely and it's about uh kind of just def- defending your found family against the the shittiness of corporate life Right, and a lot of people hear the premise of like Hooters S. Gresham, and they're like, "Ugh, I don't want to watch this gross movie." Kind of a feminist film. Absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. It's it's very um, everyone has agency. Regina Hall is the main character; is incredible in it. Um, uh, who is the person that I'm thinking uh, that's a standout? Haley Lou Richardson is fucking incredible and it is so good and um she's in operation finale um which also came out this week but none of us have seen yet she's in split she's in columbus she's in edge of 17 which we are definitely talking about on this podcast at some point um she's awesome and she's so good in that movie the movie's funny heartfelt it's found family like it's incredible it's my favorite movie that i watched at the fest but um Love yeah, it. People should I, go I, see it. I think that it, um, especially as someone who is like working as kind of a manager of a place now, um, it's it's interesting to kind of look at. I the thing that's been in, like interesting to me in movies recently has been like work environments and the, the power structures that are there because that's been something I've been thinking about in my job recently. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that this was a really interesting kind of depiction of that, like. You are responsible for your employees, and a lot of the movie is her, like, defending them against the owner who doesn't really understand what's happening on the ground level. Right. Um, and it's it's kind of about how her responsibility is kind of to be the go-between and how hard that is on someone, especially in a business like that one where it is exploited, exploitative um, in a large part, and she is kind of the front line of defense for these workers who are being um potentially abused by their customers and they're being um i mean they're they're vulnerable just by being in their job and around these drunk people who are there to look at them um right 
and, and she does a great job of showing the the hard the hard work that goes into that kind of job. Right. Um, if you've ever worked in food service, there's a lot of things that it nails pretty perfectly. Like not necessarily specifics, but like generate generalities that like mm-hmm. you're like, yep, relate to that. Uh, very much the like shit. The owner's coming. <laughs> like let's put on our um, mm-hmm. best foot, and just like little other details that work really well. Um, how close you do get to people you're working with sometimes. Um, the uh and also it takes place over the course of one day which i think is uh a really great way to handle it um love it love it love it chad is gonna have to watch it i will uh um uh, okay so the movie that i watched which was on the second day of sidewalk film festival was the miseducation of cameron post um which so which stars chloe grace moretz um, and it is about, it's the first of two gay conversion camp movies that are coming out this year. Uh, this one is, despite the heavy topic, it is, th- seems to be at least the more lighthearted of the two. Hmm. Um, it's based on a YA book, but it's I... very, very well done. It's, um, very emotional, but it also is like pretty funny, and it also has elements of found family, which always work for me. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is g- great in it. I think it's shot very well. Um, I think it's a good story, and I don't know. I like it. I would that, recommend it. That is interesting that you said it was the more lighthearted of the two, because that's not something I would have guessed having seen the trailer. Yeah, um, but the trailer to Boy or Race, though. You know, I mean, like yeah, neither one yeah. of them are that lighthearted. But if I you're mean, comparing I'm already the two. I'm already crying in the Boy Race trailer. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess when you put it like that. But would you call it lighthearted or just more lighthearted than it seems like Boy Race is going to be? It's really fucking funny at times. Mm-hmm. Um, it very much feels like a Sundance comedy, if that makes sense, okay, or a yeah. Sundance dramedy, where there yeah. are like really good jokes and stuff like that, but it is like sad and dark and stuff like that at times too. Um, but there's a real like funny scene where Chloe Grace Moretz like gets on top because it's a period piece technically. It takes place in the '90s, um, and she like mm-hmm. gets on this table and starts singing "What's Going On" by the Four Non Blondes. <laughs> like it's very funny, very good. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. Um, yeah, cool. You guys should also watch that one. That one won the grand prize at Sundance, um, right? And it has it's taken a, a decently long time to get you know distribution actually showing it around places, um, right? Which is which is interesting. I mean, it, it it took like two months for it to actually get signed to an acquisition deal, um, but it's even longer to actually start showing places, which makes me wonder if it if it's trying for a Oscars run, which seems unlikely. Um, From what I've heard, the only thing that they... Okay, so part the curtains for our listeners who are not insane people like us who (laughs) follow every piece of the industry. Uh, The Oscars are done by publicists and stuff like that, and so they hire firms, and they hire firms to do specific things. So scuttlebutt is that the only thing they're gunning for with this one is a best actress. They're not really pursuing anything else. Yeah, Um, which means they probably won't get even that, but that's what they're putting their money behind. Um, Yeah, so... Yeah, I, w- I saw something earlier today that was talking about how, like, a bunch of people who went to Sundance this year were, like, shrug. You know, there's not really anything. Who cares? And then with searching, 
it was like the fifth movie from Sundance that had made like a decent amount of money. Yeah. So things are actually doing w- better than people thought. But I think a lot of those were docu- uh, documentaries, which are doing better right now than people or than they usually do. Um, because I think Mr. Rogers was there. I think RBG was there. I think Three Identical Strangers was there. Um, and then it's Cameron Post and Searching and then a couple other that are actually doing pretty well in theaters. So. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely interesting. I think a lot of that has to do with our old friend Movie Pass, letting people see definitely. more movies for cheaper and see movies that they wouldn't have. I mean, I, absolutely. I probably wouldn't have seen uh, the Mr. Rogers doc if it hadn't been for Movie Pass. It looks really Same. good, but like, there's other movies I, I w- want to see first. I, yeah, I would have been like, well, it's going to come on Amazon at some point. Exactly. But, but now we're AMC A-list boys, and we need other theaters to follow suit so people who don't live near AMCs also have options. Yeah. Hey, um, Pacific Theaters, make a streaming service. I want to go back to the Grove. Chad, they're not gonna that that has that theater has like six branches. I know, but you got to get like Regal or somebody. Well, like Regal needs. I want to live it. at Alamo I mean, Draft House. Yeah. Has has a pretty mm-hmm. small. I mean. Not yeah, small. but they haven't mm-hmm. actually launched that thing yet. But, they're, and it's but only it has one been but they're gonna. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, AMC A-list is good. Um, yeah, get it. Eat your movie pass and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Take a shit on it. Who cares? It's dead. <laughs> um, I saw something. Uh, I meant to send it to you, Chad. Uh-huh. But I know you can't sign up for movie pass again. No, not for uh, another Well, actually, months. no. No, you don't. You don't oh. sign up for it. Yeah, it's so they're doing a promotion with Postmates, and you can like win like free Postmates for a year, and then like free Movie Pass for a year, which made me fucking die laughing because I'm like Movie Pass in another year, good <laughs> joke. It like Movie Pass in a year won't be worth zero dollars. Yeah, like it will like, oh, not be worth being given. So yeah, I can like, see no th- for like ninety nine dollars, <laughs> I can see like one movie every year. Sounds good. Like, and yeah, and I have a card. Like, no thanks, Movie Pass. Um, yeah, it's always down. Gosh. Okay, so let's talk about the film we were gathered here to discuss. Yeah. We're talking about pa- Paul Verhoeven's 1997 Starship Troopers. Uh, Chad, had you ever seen this movie before? Uh, not until this very morning. Marcus, have you seen this movie before? I saw this movie for the first time uh, earlier this year, around the yep. same time you did. Yep. I have seen this movie once before because the way this podcast works is I have to fucking see the movie I pick. So, obviously. Um, and I liked it a lot when I first watched it. Liked it even more now. Mark, I think, had a similar... Uh, liked it okay the first time. Loved it, it seemed, on the second time, based uh, on your letterbox. I mean, I I liked it even more. I I, it's hard to. It's, bes, bes, it's, I I love people, not things. In the in the words of a, of a famous uh, Amazon review. Ah, uh, great. Have you not seen uh, that review where someone rates things four stars and they're like, "I love people, not things," but otherwise, a great that. product. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> what was it a review I, for? I don't remember. Oh. But like the the five stars is like love it on Amazon and they're like, uh-huh. um, I love people, oh, not things. Okay, I see, I see. That's ridiculous. I love that person for that. being so <laughs> yeah, um, I'm of course kidding. I don't love absurd. people either. <laughs> right. Obviously. But but you like you like this a lot more. Yeah. Um it it is, I guess, hard to say you love this movie based on everything about it. It's a weird movie to say you love, but Well, I, I think 
in the couple of months since I watched it last, the context made more sense to me in terms yes. of like I I watched much more Star Trek since then. Right. We'll mm. talk about that a little bit more because I want to set up the movie some, but I definitely want to dive into that because I also have seen some more Star Trek, which made me appreciate a few things they were doing a little bit more. But uh, so that's mm. our rea- our brief reaction to it. I, Chad, what's your brief reaction? I to have it? not seen a lot of Star Trek, and I really uh, don't think I appreciate what they're doing uh, at all in this movie. It really doesn't seem like you um, do, but we'll get into yeah, it. Yeah, I... Maybe you can guys can talk me out of it, but I think uh, Face Off might be more favorite than this for me. Nope. I uh, like legitimately. I think, th- I think this movie is brilliant. Mm. Um, <laughs> okay. True. Truly think it's brilliant. Well, we'll talk uh, about it. Uh yeah, we will talk about it because. You may be watching it on a surface level. We'll get into it. I, so th- mm, I don't know. I don't think I am. And I think I really don't like what they're doing. <laughs> okay. Well, you're very wrong. We'll get into cool. it. Cool. Um, so it's the 23rd century. Um, while colonizing other planets, humanity stumbled upon a species of aliens that they call bugs. This is explained to us through website-esque interstitials that also give us various other info and propaganda throughout. Love this. Do Love this very much. Do you want to see more? Do you want like, to see more? And then it, then they can like click it. I wish um, I could have clicked no. <laughs> please fuck off. Um, so this is very much a Verhoeven thing. He kind of does this in RoboCop too, where he'll cut to like news footage and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I well, think it's a really cool is, element. The script is also written by the RoboCop guy, Edward gotcha. Neumeier. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I really think it's a cool way. It's a cool framing device. Uh, leads to a question I have about the movie that we'll talk about later, but I, I, I think it's awesome. They do this whole opening sequence that is talking about the Federation and all that kind of stuff. Um, according to Mark's research, it's pretty much pulled shot for shot from the Triumph of the Will. Um, very purposeful Nazi imagery, etc. Yeah, so Verhoeven, like we said in the monologue, grew up in the Hague, um, which was like the the capital of Denmark for Nazi for like the Nazi regime and like Mm -hmm. while he was there, I'm like, he definitely saw a bunch of propaganda, but he also like the house that was next to him got bombed by the allies. His parents were almost killed crossing the street. Um, like he grew up in like the, the most dangerous of war zones. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I, it kind of gives, gives him context for what it looks like to be in a war. Um, even if it's like a just war. Right. Which this movie is not at all. <laughs> like that's not even the argument yeah. he's making here. Um, it also, this entire movie is a propaganda film, which is why I think it works very well. Um, so the idea is in the Federation, citizenship is a privilege, uh, which gives right. individuals opportunities prohibited to others. So you're not just a citizen. You become a citizen from being in the military, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, which they is say a something concept early on. I really like. I think that's like a clever concept for like a sci-fi world you're building. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That's one thing I liked about the movie was like some of the world building that they did of like, okay, what is this like version of Earth in the future look like and what are its rules, et cetera. Right. 
Well, that's also a very fascist idea that you have to yeah. serve in the military, serve the government, do everything they say in order to have a say in anything. Right. Um, Did you mention so, that this all takes place in Rio de Janeiro so far? Yeah, I was going to get there. Um, there was a lot of backlash to this because the entire cast is white. And it takes place in Rio de Janeiro, a not white city. Right. right. Um, so I so found let that me talk about very odd. So let me talk about that real quick because Johnny Rico, Rico's girlfriend Carmen, his best friend Carl, and the girl who has a crush on him, who is named Isabel, um, aka Dizzy, all are in high school together in Buenos Aires. You're right. People complained about that. That is part of why I think this movie is brilliant. Like it, it, it's very much purposefully a white cast with Latinx and Hispanic names because they're trying to promote the Nazi imagery that's throughout this entire. Is movie. the idea that like white supremacist Nazis took over the whole planet and yep. then continued yep, yep, to yep, try yep, to yep. take over the galaxy? Yes. I, yes. Yes. Uh, sh- sure. No. No. That's very much what it's supposed to be. Okay. Definitely what it's and supposed I, to be. I think that that's that's established pretty well in the beginning. Although yeah, I, I, it, mm-hmm. it took me a while to realize that it was actually set in Rio de Janeiro, like until much later when they are talking about Rio from like an outside perspective. Well, yeah, um, I, I noticed Buenos Aires High School when they were, or whatever it was when they were like oh, at that like end of the year dance. It was like in the background. Right. Uh, right. but that yeah, was sorry, like, Buenos, Buenos Aires, not Rio de Janeiro. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I just thought, oh, that's odd. Is there just a high school named after Buenos Aires? And then later it was like, oh no, they were supposed to be in Buenos Aires. That's yeah. weird. <laughs> They're not. So it's not white actors playing characters that are supposed to be Hispanic right. or Latinx. They are supposed to be white characters, but the idea is that they have completely appropriated the culture in the entire area. Which that isn't I think necessarily it, established, but I think that is a safe assumption to make. You you don't have to like establish yeah, yeah, every yeah, yeah, piece yeah. of your world by like saying like because yeah. that wouldn't make any fucking sense in the movie well, if one right. character was like, "Huh, it was really weird how we appropriated all this culture." <laughs> wasn't isn't it, it good that we're all like I don't know? Isn't it? You're white. I'm also white. No, it just no. It, it, it's supposed I think to be the idea is that this is just years and years and years after any of that yeah. ever happened too. So it's just right, so exactly. the norm. So what normal. they grew up in. And it, it, I think, it I is, think part of the issue people had is that this is technically based off of a book, Starship Troopers, mm-hmm. and in that book, Rico is Filipino. Yes. Um, it, oh. but, which would be a decent argument if, A, Paul Verhoeven read the book, which he didn't, right? Um, because he was bored and said it was fascist propaganda. Well, uh, and if his idea wasn't using that he had a very specific thing he wanted to do and all of this plays into what he wants to do. When when the the idea for this movie it was based off of a script called Bug Hunt on Outpost 9 and then people started reading that and they were like, "Hey, this is just like this one book called Starship Troopers." So the production company was like, "Fine, we'll just buy the rights to that book and right. change it to make it a little bit more similar." Um right. Verhoeven bought the book, started reading it, Threw it away, said it was um, fascist, conservative trash that bored yep. him and made him sad. Yeah, um, he said all it is is about, like, killing bucks. He's not interested in that. Yeah. that like, that's and not what he was interested in. Uh, one of the actors 
had read the book and he went up to Verhoeven like, why are you making this like fascist, completely ultra conservative book into a movie? And he was like, oh, well, it's this movie isn't like that at all. It's, in fact, the complete opposite of that. And it's it's a satire on that concept. Right. Mm-hmm. The whole movie is a satire. That is the whole idea. He it can is. make a satire that fails at doing its job. And I think that this movie is that. <laughs> Fuck, Chad. You're very, very wrong. I really um, don't think so. If you're gonna make was... if you're gonna make a movie about like Nazi propaganda, don't make the people that are the Jewish parallel bugs. Brainless killing That's... machines. No, the... Chad, you're completely misunderstanding this movie. I, I don't think that, really... that they are the Jewish. I don't think that they are the Jewish. They are not meant to be here. that. But also, they're not mindless. That's the whole part of the end. Yeah, they have a collective brain, obviously. But, like, uh, I don't know. I think they, they I think are, th- like, okay. Go ahead, Mark. I think that the, the Nazi parallel isn't in, like, they are committing, well, they are committing a genocide. Yeah, they're but committing they a genocide. They, they want to kill an entire race of people. So, if you're going to, yes. why are you making gross killer bugs that are, like, bloodthirsty and, uh, because because in war you always dehumanize the other side. Sure. That is the it, idea. It would be helpful if the characters dehumanized the other side without the movie dehumanizing the other side. I think if you're going to make an allegory. I think there's, there's a no. world where like, yeah, where you see aliens as like, but as, a, as the movie handles it as like, oh no, they actually are like this like, thoughtful thing with a soul and a heart and they shouldn't be genocided but the movie seems to like kind of support like yeah they're monsters that killed a lot of people and let's take them out because they're bugs i think think the problem the problem with that Mm. is that in order to make a satire you can't really stray from like especially if you're making a satire of propaganda film you can't really stray from that I think where where the idea that these creatures have hearts and souls shows up is at the end, and I'm sorry, Cody, for skipping to maybe the last yeah, line. Yeah, we haven't fucking talked about anything, but <laughs> oh, go right, ahead. Right. That's fine. Um, it's it, not. It's it's the the very end. I mean, whatever. It's it's the very end where Neil Patrick Harris, the psychic, is like he's afraid, and then right. everyone is so excited about the fact that this char- this creature is feeling fear. When mm-hmm. really, as an audience, you're like, oh, that's horrifying. That these things are living things with emotions and things like that, and it. Like the the job isn't the movie isn't trying to show that these character or the the enemy has feelings through the character reacting to them as much as the audience should be horrified by the way the characters are acting and I think that that is mm. shown and also not it, only to the way of the way that the characters are acting to the bugs but the way the characters are acting to other characters. For example, I, throwing a knife at someone's hand. Sure. I really disagree that that's clear in the movie and that uh, the ending is it's, it's played like it's supposed to be a triumphant moment. But we really yes. should get back to the plot and uh, go through it. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about it when we get to it. I just am saying I really, really disagree with you <laughs> and that. Okay. Okay. Um, they take, 
I was going to say people who listened to the last episode know that I'm fine with being disagreed with. <laughs> right. I also disagree with Chad. Um, and I, I just don't think you're reading this the way it's supposed to be. I, um, I, I, I believe you. And like, I see that like Verhoeven's trying to do something here. I think he failed at what he was setting out to do. And he just made uh, fascist propaganda trash. Chad, if it makes you feel no. better, almost every critic at the time agreed with you. <laughs> at the time, and then everyone who has revisited it since has been like, oh, no, wait, he's doing a satire, and he's just purposely doing he, it. He can tell you he's doing a satire and fail no, at doing it. No, it's not him but... telling you. It, it's, it's, a, it's, how, it's how the movie is I don't is think his done. heart was in the wrong place making the movie. I think he just made a movie that's harmful and bad and can be viewed through Harmful? A of... No, come on. Stop. Yeah. Uh, no, fuck off. Um, so they they take classes, they go to dances, they compete in future sports, etc. All the standard high school tropes. Um, they all decide to enlist in the military. Uh, Carmen becomes a pilot. Carl joins intelligence, which is uh, people who are psychic. Because yeah, that's that in this was world. a weird little plot point. Weird choice. Um, but and then Rico and Dizzy are in the same infantry squad. Um, Rico mm-hmm. goes through basic training under the command of Sergeant Zim. Um, and he befriends Ace Levy, uh, who is um, Jake Busey, Jake Busey, um, Gary Busey's son. Um, Ace, Rico, and Dizzy, they all become BFFs. Rico gets promoted to squad leader. Carmen breaks up with him over Skype because she's focused on her career and is also now kind of with Rico's future ball rival. We see him play future ball at school. Now he's like a pilot with her and they like like each other now. Future ball, um, a.k.a. Just football. It's just football. Yeah, I don't... But they do, like, flips and shit, and it's inside, and the field's really small. I'm sorry. I don't it's, really it's understand. XFL. Yeah, it kind of is. Um, so Rico's squad does a live fire exercise that goes terrible. Um, as a member gets accidentally killed, and the person that shot the person who got killed uh, quits the infantry. Um, Rico gets demoted and flogged. Um, which makes him want to quit, but Buenos Aires is completely destroyed by an asteroid that is rumored mm. to have been thrown by the bugs. It wasn't. Uh, that's the whole propaganda idea. Uh, so he has no home to go home is to. Is that canon in the movie that they're not doing that? I mean, they, they, it's never, nothing is explicit. Like, it's subtle things, but absolutely not. The bugs have no way to do it. The The asteroid was just an asteroid that fell to Earth, and then they used it as a a like um like as a motivator to go kill more bugs See, I, I, I agree with chad that that is not super clear it doesn't um, have to be it yeah. doesn't have to be i mean sure i i, I <laughs> go ahead, if you chad. want people to track your metaphor then i think it kind of has to be it, it's it's in the movie that it's up for debate because you never see them do anything like that. They are shown as relatively simplistic and then they mm. are just told that bugs do it. You never see a bug do it. Um, it it yeah. plays into the wider point of the movie that okay. the bugs don't. And then just from a filmmaking standpoint here, uh, <laughs> this part of the movie I hate a lot because he's like FaceTiming home with his family, um, his parents, and they're just like, it's like played like a comedy, like a cartoon where they're like, Oh boy, what's going on with the weather? Is it getting dark outside? And then it's like, like when the meteor is coming down, it's like, it's played like silly and weird. And it's like, I don't know. There's no like suspense or like real drama there until later. 
I don't know. It just right. It just and I'll it, go back to that's all on purpose because the everything we're seeing before then mm-hmm. is very high school tropey. They're very much acting like they're on nine hundred two one zero. It's very all American. This goes into my theory that I was going to bring up later as part of one of our discussion questions mm-hmm. is that the whole film is a propaganda film that's being shown in the universe because it's the all American except they're not in America but like it's the all American yeah. characters who are like they go through some tragedy but they're still going to win the war and like, it's all about these these characters going from rags to riches in terms of like they go in as recruits and then at the end they're all like captain of the infantry no, captain like, of the navy captain of the, the intelligence right. division the end pretty explicitly like like shows that like it's like and you can be just like so and so and so and so enlist today you know it like says yeah, all right. this it, stuff clearly it, it, it shows all that part but it's not clear whether or not you're supposed to see the entire film as mm-hmm. a propaganda film i kind of think you're supposed to because they're so clearly tropes i guess um but and, it, the, and the performances are so clearly watching... like the star trek kind of performances where they're like static and very like there there's not a lot to them and that is all very meticulous, like directing and all I, I guess, that kind of stuff. I guess watching these tropes like play out is just an unpleasant film watching experience, though for me. Like watching the all American high school football kid as he's going to like fight the war for the wrong reasons, and then and he's just a horribly uninteresting character. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. watching all these things play out is like, sure, like if you're viewing it through, this was made by the uh, Earth's like military to uh, enlist people, the whole thing. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. They'd try to hook in the youth. They'd try to do all these things. Mm-hmm. But it still makes it a very not fun movie to watch for me because it just is Nazi propaganda. <laughs> if you like... Right. I, mean, I don't want to watch Nazi propaganda. Well, but I think I think what is undercutting that is shots of the recruitment officer at um, the high school is like, oh, the infantry is what made me the man I am today. And literally, right. as he says that, his amputated arm goes out to shake his hand. And it's right. very clear. Like, hammer pants the infantry fucked me legs. up. Right. Yeah. And he's completely quadriplegic. Like, that's what this movie is about, mm-hmm. is like all that stuff. Um, so an invasion force is sent to the bugs home planet, but the mission goes terribly. Rico is injured and reported as killed in action. He recovers and he, Ace and Dizzy are assigned to the roughnecks an elite unit that is commanded by their former high school history teacher. Um, Rico continues to get promoted after impressing the squad by killing a tank bug and also continues to fall for Dizzy. Um, and they bone in a tent again, playing on the tropes, the best friend getting with the mm-hmm. uh, main character and then her dying immediately. <laughs> yep. They get a distress call, which turns out to be a trap. The teacher gets his legs bit off and Rico mercy kills him. Um, Dizzy also gets killed by a bug. The infantry is saved by Carmen and her new boo. Rico and Carmen oh meet up gosh. with Carl, who is now can in we, charge of stuff. Can we stop and acknowledge that her last words are at least I got to have that dick though. That's not what they were, but it's, it's at least I got to have you. It's yes. at least I got to have your dick, though. <laughs> I think sure. is what she said. Uh, so, yeah, if you're watching it through the lens that we're watching a Nazi propaganda film that's supposed to not be good, then sure. But I don't know. In the moment, I was like, I really don't like that little character beat that like dying is worth it because she got to have him dying yeah uh, i mean again it goes to the bigger point like in this movie dying is always worth it because that's what 
they want from you. Mm-hmm. Like dying is worth it because you get to kill bugs. Right. Like, yeah, and like dying is the ultimate honor. Dying for your country is, you know, the most noble thing you can do. Um, violence begets mm-hmm. power or whatever. Yeah, that's like their big thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Rico and Carmen meet up with Carl, who is now in charge of stuff. He, uh, which again completely happens off screen, and then it's Neil Patrick Harris is like, "I'm in charge now." Um, yeah, which he looked like pasty and like sickly when we like got back to him later in the movie. Like he, mm-hmm. well, he looked like a like caricature of like a Nazi scientist. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he even like maybe had a bit of a German accent out of nowhere, just like a, yep. a hint of one. <laughs> Yep. Um, So he tells them that there is a brain bug that is controlling the other bugs and has learned how to fight humans. Rico is promoted to be in charge of the entire infantry and lead the attack, which is a return to the planet they just were on. Um, The fleet is waiting in space, but they suffer heavy fire from the bugs and Carmen's ship is destroyed. Mm Her and Xander, which is the name of her uh, boo, land their escape pod in a bug cave. Xander gets his brain sucked, but Carmen cuts off the bugs proboscis before it can do the same to her. Right. Really gross Uh, violence sequence here. Right. Um, Yeah, that's... Verhoeven is, is like, famous for his... Yeah, that's gross. Really gross uh, violence sequences. Also, his nudity and sex, which... uh, Check in, check. Mm -hmm. Right, which we didn't really talk about it. There's a couple scenes where they just get in a shower together, and it's completely gender neutral, which... um, Verhoeven was very, like... um, yeah, he was like he was he very was like, like this has to happen because he's like it's the future. They don't give a shit. Well, Which also I in, think an, is an, interesting in an authoritarian society where the idea is that they've made this master race, like they're not going to differentiate between men and women because mm-hmm. a, a, a differentiation would mean that one would have to be be better than the other, which is not something right. they can live with. Hmm. And also behind the scenes, he had wanted to include this gender neutral shower thing in RoboCop, but they wouldn't let him. And then, <laughs> and look, then they let him in this movie. Well, the what act- is frankly bizarre is this is a studio movie. Right. The fact that this got made and released by a studio is truly batshit insane. Um, um, regardless the, of how you I, read it, it's insane that it came out and was released. And they let him do whatever he wanted to do with it. And yeah. he did. I mean, I feel so, like if a studio is going to release this movie, they're going to try to keep it to the PG-13 to uh, make it, like, okay for teens to go see this movie, you know? Right. Uh, and the fun, they were the not, fun space war movie on uh, on a surface level, I think there's supposed to be some sort of enjoyment of, like, the humans versus the aliens. Like, that's how it was sold to the studio to make it. Oh, absolutely. It's like, it's going to be a fun blockbuster where, like, it's Independence Day. We shoot mm-hmm. up the bug aliens. Um, yes. And I do think the audience is supposed to have fun during those scenes. It's just when it's all yeah. over, you're supposed to be like, oh, what was this all for? Mm-hmm. Um, Let me ask you this. I, I know that you like the, like, uh, propaganda commentary elements of the film. Do you like the action elements of the film too? Do you like uh, the space ki- kind stuff? of? Yeah, kind of. No, I was going to yeah. bring this up. Um, the action is kind of where it loses me right. because I'm way more fascinated mm-hmm. in the propaganda elements. Right. Because I was um, the whole time with the action, it was it just felt like a shot of the people shooting, a shot of the bugs getting shot, and it was just like really uninterestingly filmed. It was like they weren't mm-hmm. having a lot of fun with like action set pieces. It was just like 
let's shoot the aliens on this planet. Let's shoot the aliens in the space. Let's shoot the aliens here. I don't know. I liked the action sequence where they're in that in that fort and they're being swarmed. The the, the, yeah. the trap basically easily the most yes. interesting one where like they start World War Zing over the uh, the walls yep. and yep. Um, yeah that's easily the best action sequence in the film right yeah and. And also know. some of the like in, some of the invasion scenes are really chaotic. I mean, mm-hmm. the limitation here is is clearly the bugs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they were computer generated or practical. The, the, probably yes. it seemed they, to be they a, were a, mix a blend, yeah. Um, but yeah. they really didn't have much options of, in terms of what could they do. So their mm-hmm. options of what action scenes can we shoot were also limited. But right. in those in those invasion scenes, like there was the invasion scene that kind of opens it and then is shown again, you know, in actual context where, right. you know, they're landing and they're like, this is the first battle. And then they get completely swarmed is like right. some really great chaos. And you can really feel the, it, it, the it was, fear that mm-hmm. everyone is feeling, which I think is great because a lot like that is where the propaganda film kind of falls. And it's like. This this battle is so horrifying that there's no real way to spin it positively, other than right. other than in the end we won, which yes, is exactly. which is kind of a, what a lot of war is like. Here's this battle, eighty mm-hmm. percent of our people died, but we won, so we won, and we're happy that all of these people died because we won. Which is it kind of like f- from afar a fucked up way of thinking about things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Rico, Ace, and their new friend Watkins are in another cave and they try to get the brain bug and threaten it with a nuclear bomb. Um, and it runs away. Um, Watkins, who is wounded, sacrifices himself to blow up a bunch of bugs with the bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, is a Rico, death. yep. Uh, Watkins is played by a guy who is on Game of Thrones now and, um, Kind of does more in this movie than he has in the past nine seasons he's been on. Or how long? It's probably been like four seasons, right, that he's been on? I mean, the show hasn't, hasn't been on done. for nine, right? I'm trying the to show's been going for nine. Oh, nine? Wow. He, Game um, of Thrones. Not Game of Thrones. Did I say Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones. The Walking Dead? I meant Walking Dead. Oh, I meant Walking wait, Dead. Okay. Who is he in The Walking Dead? He's the preacher. It's the oh, preacher. that's him. I didn't recognize no, him. He's like Father Gabriel. 10 to 20 years younger in this than he was in that. So <laughs> Right. So how long has he been on Walking uh, Dead? Like season, four seasons. Season four was his first season. So, so five, seasons, five seasons. And I think yeah. he did a lot more in this movie than he has ever done. Well, yeah. He got to have Since like a I hero's death. He got to, <laughs> he got to do Dead, something. He says some sermons and he like... I think he double crosses Rick once or something. I don't know. Yeah, he, he weirdly his character is more consistent here also. Right. Um, In the Nazi propaganda film. Uh, right. <laughs> um, so Rico and Ace return to the surface and find that their former leader before the Roughneck days has willingly been demoted to private so he could serve on the front lines. Um, basically, they had a person who was in charge before, and now he's like, you know what? I don't want to be in charge because I want to kill. Um, Which again is is noble of him because yeah. uh, there's nothing better than to fight for your country. Right. This is Mr. Krabs, just so you know. Fun fact: <laughs> Is it really Mr. Krabs? Yep, yep. That's Brown. incredible. Um, better than that, he's captured the brain bug. Carl has arrived and announces that humans will win now that intelligence can study the brain bug. He reads the bug's mind and reveals that the bug is scared, which makes the entire military cheer, which is fucking horrific. 
Um, but the movie it feels like the movie wants its audience to cheer too, in a way. Absolutely. To not. me, if the movie feels like it's treating it that way, which if you're viewing it from it's Nazi propaganda, then I think ye- I, I yeah I think that it's it's like it's Nazi propaganda, so they can't really guide you to anything else other than relying on the fact that you as a human being mm-hmm. know that you shouldn't cheer that something is scared. Right, that's the whole thing with him saying it's scared Which, and you hear it's whimper. You're you're supposed to feel in that moment like, oh fuck. That's supposed to supposed but, to be the moment it clicks for you where you're like monster, Oh, this is horrifying. But it is a monster bug. Well, I so I think yeah, there what are, does it matter though? There are a number of other clues that mm. show that these bugs well, it's should it's, so it's not clear that the monster bugs didn't destroy Buenos Aires to me yes, as a viewer. It's not clear that like these monster bugs aren't just killing machines. It's not clear that we're not as an audience supposed to cheer when it's afraid. I think I think what is clear is that there is nothing separating the humans from these bugs. And there's I think nothing that separating the humans. From, oh, because they're there's just because, as much guilt. W- and, what, yeah. Well, yeah. But what are the what are the bugs doing? They're sucking human brains out so mm-hmm. they can understand the humans. Right. right? Yep. And what are doing the, the humans doing? And then We're mind Neil reading Patrick the Harris bugs. Is doing the same thing. Yeah. And I think that that is very clear. And I think you're supposed to realize that. And also, there's I, so my quote at the beginning was from a part of the the straight propaganda that's in the movie where these two guys on TV are debating whether or not there is a mother bug mm-hmm. that is the brains of the operation. And this guy's like, right. I think it's offensive to even consider the fact that these things could possibly be intelligent, which yep. is like right. completely shutting off your brain to the idea that these things aren't aren't necessarily human, but they have emotions and feelings, which is mm-hmm. a huge part of fascism is just kind of turning the people that you are dehumanizing yeah, yeah. completely dehumanizing right. and turning turning things into animals so that it's easier to kill them right which is why they chose them to be bugs on this movie to make that like right i even mean more but i think making them bugs was a mistake i think that dehumanizes them too much to an audience but i don't think this movie works if it's humans or humanoid aliens like i just i think it works i don't think better so. i think it works better if like you can like actually I mean maybe it's more on the nose but like I don't know maybe you need more clarity with your like metaphor here with your um well and the and the other thing I think that unlocks this whole thing for me is at the beginning they do very clearly state that humans went to the planet found the bugs provoked them killed them and then the war's been going on since specifically mm-hmm. morbid missionaries right so they they try and right. spin it like the bugs attacked first, but very clearly mm-hmm. it's humans stumbled upon them, started it, and the bugs have been attacking since. So, so what they're saying is that missionaries, innocent missionaries, went there right. just to explore, and then they got viciously attacked. Where it's easy to read that, like missionaries went there, attacked the bugs, bugs mm-hmm. fought back, and mm-hmm. suddenly yep. and the missionaries are innocent because we didn't start the fire. And at the very end with the brain bug, when it's supposed to seem like it's all over, what Carl says is, now we can study it. It's going to help us fight even more. Like, the war yeah. continues. They're, they're, yeah, they just like, need the whole war movie, is the yeah, idea. At the end, they're like trying to recruit even more people to fight in the war. Yeah. Right. 
They just um, need war. Um, can, can I read this quote from Verhoeven? Um, yeah, I, it may be the one that I've been trying to find. Uh, um, it so it might it. be because it's the one that I was trying to find earlier. So it was yeah. when Michael Ironsides, who plays the the general the teacher. In, in this movie. Yeah, the teacher who yeah. later shows up to be a general. He had read mm. the book and he was like, why are we doing this dumb fascist movie? And Verhoeven said... Um, if I could tell the world that a right-wing fascist way of do- doing things doesn't work, no one will listen to me. So yep. I'm going to make a perfect fascist world. Everyone is beautiful. Everything is shiny. Everything is big big guns and fancy ships. But it's only good for killing fucking bugs. Which is like, yep. which is to say, we can perfect our society if we're focused on one thing, and that one thing has to be murder. And right. Violence. So, so that was the yes, that was the quote that I was looking for because he very much is like, I had to hide what I was trying to say, and w- I made it seem like the perfect thing, and all that the people in it that were cared about is killing is like merciless killing because it gives them purpose. It gives them one common enemy. Enemy. Right. So. I I don't, I don't know. You say he, he was trying to like hide it so he could get the movie made. I think maybe he hit it too well, and it's not clear enough what he's like trying to do. And I don't think the movie where he doesn't hide it even gets thought about being made. Oh, no. is the thing. Um, but like I don't know. I think that has more of a chance of getting made now than this movie. Now shrug emoji. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't really know. Now for sure. We're in a very different culture. We're in a culture now mm-hmm. where people are like. People are questioning um, right. war. We do war. have to fight against fascism and war. Yeah. Whereas this was like this was in a time where, um, I mean, war wasn't really going on, so there there weren't there wasn't a whole lot of people that were anti-war because there was no there weren't really people who were pro-war. There is also a quote, and I'm just saying what Verhoeven said. I'm not gonna like put anything behind this. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't want people to think we're anti-military, because we're not. My family's in the military, etc. But um, Verhoeven has a quote where he says, war makes fascist of us all, which <laughs> is his idea behind this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I think is is pretty clear. And I think that the the counterpoint is also true that fascism makes war of us all. And that, yeah, like, in absolutely. order for fascism to succeed, we have to have a rallying cry, and that rallying cry has to be war. In order for us all right. to rally together, we all the only thing that can possibly get um, humans to agree with each other is that we all hate An enemy. something. Yeah. Yes. Um, I guess is a very cynical guess, worldview, but that 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 that's how he's approaching. I guess yeah. my issue with all with all this is how like how he could be saying all these things and achieving all these things, but then still having these like romantic like images of war like the hero like i mean at the end like it's like you know we're the three friends and we're always gonna be awesome and it's you know it's like it's like celebrating something you're also supposedly critiquing in a way it's yeah it's a and and again it goes back to the like uh the propaganda allegory but i just I don't know if it works because it does seem to like praise and romanticize things. I don't think it's praising. I I think it's showing what someone who would like this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. what their ideal version of it would be. Now I would would compare it to something like 
Fight Club, which is a mm-hmm. critique of toxic masculinity, but on the surface looks like a movie that celebrates toxic masculinity. Um, right. Can't think so of another example, I but I would say it's something the like that. The question is, like, could a Nazi watch this movie and be like, yeah, eradicate the bugs? Like, that's what we're all about. This is awesome. I love this movie. It really speaks my language. I think yeah. maybe. So. I think- does it I, I, does it but, do a good enough job of criticizing that worldview then? I would say the answer is no if someone could watch it that way. I don't think so because people can watch anything anyway and completely misread it. I mean, yeah. Like I guess, they do with Fight Club. I, I, I guess like I'm, the, I'm contradicting myself in a way because I do say that about Fight Club before. But right. I don't know. In this movie, I just really feel like the allegory is more lost than... In other examples I don't, of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I wish I could think of another fucking example, but I don't think it's any more lost than Fight Club is. Um, American Psycho is another example of yeah. a, a mm-hmm. strong satire being misread. Um, I yep. think that this movie is fairly, at least, like, parts of this movie are fairly easy to read as, like, th- there are s- strong signs that this mm-hmm. movie is not as pro-war as it acts like. I think... You know, mm-hmm. shaking hands and the guy saying the, the infantry is, is what made me what I am today. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, a, literally disfigured mm-hmm. by war. But is but, there a way to I think there's a way to look at that scene where like, oh, he gave everything for the war. That's awesome. He's a good man. There's a way to read that moment as like, oh, man, what a what a what an honor to like sacrifice yourself for the for the white race. I think that that is a way of reading that scene. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's the easiest way of reading that scene. When I watched that mm-hmm. scene from the very first moment that I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, that is it's like, uh oh, I, I literally laughed out loud when I saw that because I was like, uh-huh. oh, like he, there's a clear double meaning to that line. Yeah. Yeah. And the meaning that Verhoeven wants you to see is shown visually mm-hmm. with his, with his amputation. No, arm. I definitely saw it there. I saw like, and this was a little less explicit, but I mean, it's pretty explicit when like the children are like uh, rallying behind the calls or like stomping on bugs. Yes. Stuff like that. Yes. I, mean, yeah. I think that scene's very I mean, good. But then there is, there is the lens to look at it where it's, I guess, the Nazi propaganda lens where it's like, yeah, start them while they're young. Get them. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah, this is that good. That reminds me of the <laughs> but, scene in the scene in Chandler's list where the little girl's like, goodbye Jews, goodbye Jews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, from the very beginning of this, this movie... A starts off by literally saying like, hi, this is propaganda. Watch the propaganda. But then that propaganda mm-hmm. piece ends with a failed invasion of this of this planet where it's mm-hmm. like the, the whole first propaganda bit is like this war is is justified and this war is noble and this war is good right. and this war is a failure um, and in a way that really sets you up to kind of understand the tone and idea of this movie. And so up until the final moments of the film where it cuts to all the characters and is just like, you could be just like so-and-so and so-and-so. I was reading the movie as here's the propaganda film. Now here's our movie. Now we're cutting back to the propaganda film. Now we're cutting back to our movie. And you know what I mean? Like in the, mm-hmm. in the yeah, moments that are like very obviously documentary style, that was the moment that was like, oh, this is the propaganda film, but everything else is our movie. I was reading the movie as I was watching it that way until the very end, where I think that sort of re, um, 
reassigns what those scenes were doing in a way. I think right. that is a fair and a very... Um, I don't want to say easy. I, I don't want to mm-hmm. make it sound like you're dumb for seeing it that way. I think that is... Um, it, it is very easy to read that movie because I think that the things that... Um, no, right. Chad, Chad's saying he doesn't or, see it as no, that uh, anymore. Un- until he doesn't no, no, no. once yeah, that's in, in the final scene, I'm like, oh, the so now we're to understand the entire movie as propaganda. Yes, I don't. I, I, I don't know that that's actually the case, though. But if, I if, kind of if read that's it that way. not the case, then it aggressively is uh, fascist trash. If it's if see, it, if it's it is not. that way, then here then there is more room for nuance. But I disagree with it. Here is my other argument for it being all propaganda. The propaganda that you see in the very beginning of the movie mm-hmm. is also shown in the middle of the movie. And mm-hmm. the, the battle that you see in the, see in the beginning of the movie is also the battle in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that like the beginning is like a short version of the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And um, then you get it sprinkled throughout too. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I think... Think it's all a propaganda movie, but I think even if it isn't, it still works because it is still the reality that this world is living within. Yeah. And I, but I read it as a propaganda film. I just think that it could also um, work as not. So, so it's interesting because I was trying to find, um, I was trying to find what movie I was talking about when I was like, audiences missed the point. And that movie was Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, was the one that I was one. trying to think of, where like about. people, when Mark and I saw that in theaters, people laughed when mm-hmm. uh, the wife got hit. Oh, and I it was wanted so to murder the guy sitting yep. behind me. Very much oh. fucked up, and they were completely misreading yeah. the movie. They were like, "This is hilarious," and it was supposed to be like. No, we're uh, supposed to see this excess, I but saw, it's fucked up. I saw Blue Velvet in a theater full of people that didn't seem to really get it. Uh, yep. And uh, yeah, they were like, they really got a kick out of the abuser character. They thought he was yep. hilarious. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so I, I definitely think there are movies like this. But what is interesting when I was scrolling through that list is uh mr verhoven uh, has quite a showing on those lists <laughs> like a lot oh, of I'm, his movies fall on that so I mean, yeah i've i'm sure like showgirls is misunderstood quite a bit we talked about that, that on the cast. we talked about showgirls uh, and we had we had like this quote-unquote smarter reading of that we just didn't like it yeah, that much yeah. but we and, we understood and appreciated it for what it was but like robocop was on that list mm-hmm. um you know so there was a bunch and of i'd say even if starship troopers is achieving these things that verhoven is like trying to achieve it's just not that fun of a space romp <laughs> on top of that for me. Right. Like it just doesn't like, it doesn't like, uh, like it doesn't achieve the like surface level things that I want it to, even if it is achieving this like higher art form. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, and we talked about it, the yeah. action scenes are where it loses me for sure. most. I am way but more like, fascinated in what he's saying about propaganda and about these kind of people or mm. us kind of people potentially. Mm. You know, like I'm I'm way more fascinated in what it seems like he's more fascinated in than I am the action scenes. And that's right. been true both times I've watched it. I've been like, okay, I get it, 
there these are war scenes i mean they he does do a few interesting things where he like very purposely makes those scary and chaotic because mm-hmm. war is scary and chaotic right. no matter which side you're on um but i don't know i don't know uh i think it's very good i like this movie a lot i think one thing that frustrates me is because he's he's balancing the story between two characters in two different settings right um, between Rico and um, Denise Richards' character, um, whose name I've Carmen. forgotten. Carmen, thank you. Um, I find Carmen's story a thousand times less interesting than Rico's story. Oh, yeah. Um, I was, like, snoozing a lot every time she was on camera. Or just, like, because the, the Air Force division of whatever this military is, they just, like, didn't ever do anything interesting, unless it also involved Rico. They were just sort of floating through space and it was like yeah that's why some old star trek doesn't work because they're just on the ship Uh like pressing buttons yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) which like yeah in the 60s it was like ooh, we can have stories in space but like now it's i don't know right Uh, they very much are playing on some star yeah and and you see that in the design of like the the ships you see that in a lot of what's going on but i mean you see that in i mean them uh docking that or like undocking at like high speed or whatever that's i feel like in every star trek movie or every star trek series there's like one part where they're like oh we're gonna do this thing way faster than we've ever done it before like right. in the first episode in the next generation they like unhook the the i don't know the enterprise from the rest of the enterprise at like warp speed which is like never been done before and it right. felt very much like a let's show that this pilot is capable by doing this really difficult thing and impressing everyone I also think the acting style is very uh, influenced mm-hmm. by Star Trek, um, especially the the naval acting. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, um, um I have a fun fact about this movie. Um, so you know how last time, last episode on the Face Off episode, yes. I was talking about how I filmed something at the, uh, or I say I filmed something. I was a PA on a thing. <laughs> right, uh, right. Fi- no, it's your movie, no, it's, Chad. It's my commercial for a clean and clear product. Uh, right. I'll post it in the Facebook group because uh, uh, that same house is in this movie. Oh, interesting. What? Is it Rico's yeah. house? It's Rico's house from back home. So in this movie, it's mostly interior shots. And in Face Off, yeah, it only really showed funny. the exterior of this house. Uh, that's really funny. his futuristic house with all that futuristic architect is like an actual entertainment lawyer's house in the middle of Malibu. Uh, and I've been there. So It's that's crazy funny. that it's the same house I that was in I feel like Off. this house was built in 1996. And the first yeah. owner just wanted to use it for movies and just like, it was this exciting futuristic looking house that he like a couple of sci-fi of movies used. With rentals. What did you say, yeah. Mark? So he, he recouped the cost with rentals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cause it's just like, like gorgeous and huge and in the middle of this gorgeous mountain range in Malibu. Um, but it sounds lovely. Yeah. yeah. That's so crazy. Face off and uh, starship troopers have this connective thread of that house. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> um, what if it's in Titanic? <laughs> Doubt. I want to go back and watch Boogie Nights again and see if it's like <laughs> it's, it's in there. Oh, oh my gosh! Um, if the cocaine scene was uh, shot in that living room, it would change your whole life. Change my life. Um. Okay. Do we do we re- have anything else to say about this movie? I, I, think, I think we've covered it pretty w- well. I am just looking forward to hearing your votes. Very much so. I think you yeah, know. What my I'm vote also is. interested in in my vote. <laughs> Yeah, I'm also. Um, so I'm actually not that interested because I know exactly how it's going to go. It's but. it's clear I'm voting for Boogie Nights because 
I didn't like this movie and I think it's fascist trash, but uh, I really hate that read of it. Like I, okay. I, I can handle you not liking it, but I, I don't like I, that read of it at all. I believe that he's trying to do something that I just think he failed hard at. And I think it just has this like messaging in it. That's like the opposite of what he attempted, because I think those romantic moments toward the end of like, these are the heroes. They're definitely the good guys is like what you carry with you from the movie, regardless of like how smart you're like looking at the movie. It still I, feels I, like, I disagree. Cause I don't, I don't carry any of that. Feels like humans are, you don't carry any of that. Like, Oh yeah. Bad guy. No. got beat. No, the, the score tr- hitting you with whatever was going like none of that like no, a truly not. This isn't your me body just trying to defend it. Feel things about no, the movie. not at all. Weird. Truly the, not at all. We, we say on this podcast that the, the last shot is your thesis statement. It's what yep. summarizes the mm-hmm. movie. And your argument is that the last shot is these are the heroes. Be like them. Right. Uh, that's to, not. To me, the last shot is. Uh, it feels fear, mm-hmm. which is like this, like stu- like up upsets my stomach in that like. Yep. Why are we celebrating that we right. have figured out a way to destroy this thing that's clearly capable of emotions? And literally, the literal last shot is a big thing that says "endless now" after we've seen countless people die like i don't know it's i no i i truly don't chat that's not me just trying to defend the movie Mm -hmm. i don't feel any of that during the movie yeah i will say that um everyone at the time would agree with you so you're not alone in thinking that Mm -hmm. i mean ebert and uh, every reviewer at the time was like this is just some shit for teenage boys to feel good about themselves ebert agrees with Um, me i like to disagree with i like it when i disagree with ebert (laughs) I mean, I'm he doesn't. Sorry. He he also revisited it though, and did not have the same opinion. It, it, yeah. Its revisit uh, review has really cranked it up. Like it's on AV clubs, like top uh, films of the '90s. Ebert um, did a revisit review of it, and I think he did. Okay. I'm not positive on that, but not I, that I just I know that it. Anywhere. Okay, okay. I just know that it has been revisited a lot mm-hmm. and has I mean, a lot better. Yes, um, same same thing with Showgirls. Like we talked about that on that episode. Like it was revisited and later was seen seen by others to have more value in it. I just fall on the same end on this movie as I do on Showgirls, where I think like, no, it's not really. I mean, like if it is, like saying. Nazis and propaganda are bad. <laughs> is that? I don't think it like, has to come out explicitly. But like, is it. that even like novel enough a thing to like? Kinda. I, I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, obviously kinda. That's a, that's a good messaging. Okay, okay. But what time are we in? <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Th- I mean, like, I, I wasn't trying to be an asshole, no, but like, no, no. I, yeah, it does seem. It does seem obvious, yeah. but we also see people with sure. Nazi symbols yeah. like march on college campuses all the so time now. I think so, like, do we may- need a less the, subtle uh, messaging then? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, something's yeah, not hitting me right with the movie, and it just it it feels like he's not hitting that messaging he's trying to hit for me, and clearly he is with you. So it's just difference of opinions and difference of reads. 
I don't know. Right. Uh, like, so what I'm saying, Chad, is that, like, I can handle you not liking mm-hmm. it. That's fine. I think dismissing it as, like, harmful and dangerous, I don't think that's fair to this movie. I'd um, be interested more of my argument. to show it to, like, a Richard Spencer rally and see what they No, they would love is. it, but that's the point. That, like, you show those same people Fight Club and they love it. That Like, that's the point. Like, I just, I don't. I don't know. I just think because some people can read it one way doesn't detract and from it. Usually I, I agree with you. In is, this movie, it just it struck me weird. I think this movie is much harder to misread than Fight Club is. But that's just me. Uh, I kind of agree. I think um, this movie is harder to misread. So it's easier to read correctly? Yes. Yeah. I would disagree I with that. I would say fight. I agree because of all the people I know who love Fight Club who don't get that it's like making fun of all the stuff. But that it, it's th- have fun. those people seen Starship Troopers? Probably not. Yeah, so that, I think that's. that's I think they that's would. The, I think they would also misread that movie. Yeah, I think. I think Fight Club's an easier movie to like get. Mm, I don't know. Personally, <laughs> being in college would make me think differently. But you're right that none of those people watch Starship Troopers, so it's hard to compare. Yeah. Um, I know all those people misread most of the movies that are on that misread mm-hmm. list. Wolf so. of Wall Street, probably Breaking Bad. Uh, it, definitely yeah. Breaking Bad. <laughs> probably Mad Men as well. Just definitely go ahead. And Don Draper's so cool. Go. He's so badass. <laughs> so, yeah. man, I love I how love Don Draper just, cheats on his wife all the time. He just That's, sleeps with he's everyone. Cool. Smoking cigarettes yeah. and drinking alcohols. So uh, I also man. love Tony Soprano. I love how manly he is. <laughs> I love how good he is. Yeah. He doesn't, um, he doesn't. Walter White's the great American hero, you know. He just like rags to riches. He, he really was like fuck cancer and want to do drugs. Yeah. Well, they doesn't uh, do you know, drugs. He just makes them. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I vote Boogie vote. Nights. Uh, in in summary. <laughs> um, I do this thing where I don't even remember the fact that I have to vote mm-hmm. until right now. Right now. Um, yep. I would ask Cody to vote, but that would just be me, me buying time. It's so hard, right? It's so hard. Um, a recency bias. I just saw this, right? It, so it's sure. it's pressure on my mind. B. Uh, I've seen this twice. I've only seen Boogie Nights once, which is a contributing factor to how much I like something. Frequency it's, bias. It, fr- frequent. So recency bias. Frequency bias. Um, rule of three years means I have to find something else that um, sounds like that, which is hard. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, well, you could have the, de- of, the you could have virus. the de- de- decency bias of which one do you think is better? <laughs> um, decency bias. Well, these both show a bunch of tits and nudity. Yeah, not very uh, decent. Um, no. Now, regency bias. Which one has the most kings in it? Uh, neither. Really, neither. Ben Kingsley um, bias. Which yeah. ne- neither one again. Again, both <laughs> fail. Um, uh, it it really is hard to remember a month ago when I watched um, Boogie Nights. Boy. Oh. <laughs> you really are buying that. <laughs> um, uh, Cody, can you go so I can think in silence without having Jesus to fill Christ. dead air? <laughs> um, I love Starship Troopers. I think it's great. I really liked it the first time I watched it. Loved it even more this time. I think it's very smart i think it's doing some very interesting things but it does fall apart for me like kind of in the action scenes um 
like I, I mean, I've made lots of arguments why I think it's a valuable film, why I think it should be considered one of the best of 1997, but I don't think it is the best of 1997. I think that is uh, Boogie Nights until potentially Titanic next year oh, <laughs> or ne- next episode. Um, so I, yeah, I'm going with Boogie Nights. I, I oh, yeah. like both films. I, I've liked... I didn't like Face Off, but I liked both of these movies. Um, but I do, I do think Boogie Nights is the better film. Um, but I think there's room for both. Mark. Um, well, that makes my job a thousand times easier. I thought Cody was going to say um, he was going to make, make it a tie. Mm-hmm. Um, so Normally so I, I do pick my own. This may be the first time I haven't picked my own. Possibly. Um, I Then I will say... Um, this movie because I, I, I feel like it should at least n- not be unanimous that hmm. Boogie Nights is better. Um, and I also think, I don't know. I, I, I think that I would, I, I can't put my finger on what it is, but I think that this movie is really smart and inventive in what it's doing. I let's, we can also shortly talk about the fact that Boogie Nights is easily misread as like, isn't it fun? to Yes. True. People? True. Um, yeah. True. Yeah. The I first think it half is, of it is easy to misread. I don't, I don't know that the second half is easy to misread. Well, it's pretty easy. I think people kind of, I think, yeah, I think people kind of forget the second half. T- yeah. TBH. Yeah. yeah I you're do probably think right. And it ends yeah. on like the fun shot of Mark Wahlberg's dick. So that's sort of the note you're left on is like, oh, yeah. that, was, I mean, that was a fun movie. And you can see the th- same thing about a lot of <laughs> Maybe. like Wolf of Wall Street. Like the second half is pretty clear. Like this. Right. That yeah. life of luxury is not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, but people will forget that and be like, oh, but it looks fun. So. Right. Hmm. Um, so we decided what the best movie in 1997 is. Hey, uh, Chad, do you want to uh, tell people where they can find you on the internet? You can find me at Chad A. Oliver pretty much anywhere. Um, and that's all I'll say about that. To quote 1994's Best Picture winner, <laughs> Forrest Gump. Uh, Mark. Um, my, uh, my Twitter handles and my social media handles really are like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Sometimes it's Mark0014 on Letterboxd. Sometimes it's Wallington Mark on Twitter. Um, really, you never know what you're going to get. Mark, plug that thing you're going to do in a month. Go ahead and start plugging it. Oh, uh, what are you talking about? Faf? No, uh, 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 you're co-hosting a podcast. You're a guest host oh, for a podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Um, in October, I will be co-hosting our sister podcast, um, Purely Nostalgia. Um, I'll, well, I, you know what? I, cut that out. I don't know what I'm talking about yet. <laughs> How much of this terrible plug should I cut out? Should I Most include of it, when Cody reminded you to, to say it? Uh, uh, in, in October, I will be co-hosting our sister podcast, um, Purely Nostalgia, while Clint is away getting married. Yep. So that'll be fun. It will be fun. Wait, uh, hold on. Did they announce that on their podcast yet? Yes. Did yes. They that's that how it's I knew me? it. Uh, shit. No. Chad, cut this whole thing <laughs> no, out. No, 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 no. <laughs> he did. No, he did. He okay. did. He did. Because they gave us a shout out. I think they gave us a shout out Unrelated. Fuck, Chad, I don't know. Chad, we will ask Eli. Nostalgia we will ask, we'll, we'll, we'll ask Eli, and then we'll decide whether or not he can cut it out. Regardless, uh, cut this part out. and <laughs> No, um, leave keep, it keep all in. All Triple it. Quadruple it. Guys, Quintuple it. Hey, guys. Um, every, all the listeners out there, this is what it's like to record Best Pictures. <laughs> There's 90 hours of Cody and Mark yes, telling me to cut content. things every single 
we, you don't realize that we record every night for two weeks mm-hmm. and then just yeah. compile yeah. parts. And we, that's, that's, why, we just get, that's why it takes two weeks for you to get your juicy little episode. There's uh, Right, it's just so much content. We talk we about Sonic the Hedgehog movie way more than you think we do. Let's right. just leave it every, at that. Every day. <laughs> every truly. single day. Um, sorry, you can sorry, find me. sorry, Officer Tom movie. Officer we also we also play we we role play the uh the, the trailer for a star is born cody plays mm-hmm. bradley cooper mm-hmm. um, and chad play plays lady gaga and i play <laughs> um <laughs> i play noodles <laughs> <laughs> um you can find me on the internet at cody lunsford underscore you can find me on letterbox by just searching my name you can find this podcast at we pick picks you can also find us on facebook in the best pictures facebook group um, it's kind of a slow time right now because <laughs> no movies are coming out really. Um, but hey, once October starts, uh, A Star Is Born is coming. So hey, hey, keep that train hey, rolling. Hey, hey, I just wanted another look at you. Thanks, buddy. Um, hey, Mark, what is the best movie of 1997? Um, Boogie Nights, Chad. What's the best movie of 1997? Booger Nights. Hey, Cody. What's the best movie of 1997? It is Boogie Nights. Remember, everyone, never surrender, never retreat, never give up. I'm flying, Jack. Flying straight to the next episode, that is. We're talking about Titanic. You can catch it on iTunes. You can catch it on Amazon Rental. You can catch it in your mom's attic with a two VHS set. Um, Not my mom, though. Uh, Too much nudity.